Now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to face a great and very consequential question. Are we ready for nuclear war? Uh, there's a former top commander in NATO who says we must be ready for a nuclear war. So what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, we are going to be exchanging nuclear blows with Russia before or after the uh, upcoming elections, which are a month from now? Not even. It's less than a month now. And uh, that kind of question is among many that uh, President Biden has to face, uh, that we all have to face as Americans. Uh, President Biden making some comments that aren't exactly clear or reassuring regarding what is happening in Ukraine. Uh, reports about further progress for the Ukrainian army, but does that further progress, uh, which is occurring in spite of those devastating attacks on civilian targets by the Russians, uh, that bit of progress for the Ukrainians, does that make uh, the explosion of a wider war more or less likely? We will be talking about that on the Medved Show with Ilan Berman on the very latest about a religious split, which is threatening Putin's uh, hands on power and on control in his very troubled country. Speaking of very troubled country, there's a very troubled race in Pennsylvania that may determine the control of the Senate next time. Everybody is pointing to three Senate races that are the most likely to decide who controls the U.S. Senate. In Pennsylvania, the race between Dr. Mehmet Oz and John Fetterman, the lieutenant governor of the Keystone State, then uh, also in Arizona, where there all of a sudden is now a third-party candidate who, at least according to one major poll, is in the race with 15% of the vote. Now, that means that uh, he is a very complicating factor in the race between the Republican, uh, Blake Masters, the point uh, Trump-anointed Republican, and the incumbent senator, a former astronaut and husband of Gabby Giffords, Mark Kelly. And uh, then the third race is the race in Nevada, where Adam Laxalt, the Republican challenger, a former state attorney general, seems to have an excellent chance of unseating uh, Senator Catherine uh, uh, Cortez Masto, who is the most vulnerable Democrat, at least according to most polls. We will get to all of that and why one issue in particular seems to be flipping elections all across the country toward Republicans. Is uh, Herschel Walker going to become a national interview, a national focus, a national issue, a national uh cause for Republicans to lose ground? Or actually, is there going to be so much sympathy for Herschel Walker and for his uh, what people call persecution because of the continuing revelations about his personal life? Well, 
that is all remains to be seen, and we will get to that question as well. Uh, one of the things that is uh, very clear is they had a, um, a series of debates in crucial states uh, where senatorial races will help to determine the outcome and the control of the United States Senate, because right now, of course, it is 50-50. So basically, uh, one race, one Senate race, for instance, the one in Pennsylvania, could make the difference. Now, right now, that's a Republican seat because Pat Toomey has been senator for a couple of terms from Pennsylvania, a very successful, popular senator, brilliant guy, and somebody who I think has been an outstanding conservative representing a Pennsylvania in the U.S. Senate. The race to replace him comes between uh, John Fetterman, who suffered a stroke, and because partially, people say, of the sympathy that he encountered because of his struggles to overcome his stroke and come back to the campaign, he was running as much as 10 points ahead at one point against Dr. Oz. Not anymore. They are neck and neck. They are within the margin of error. And uh, there was Dasha Burns is a, a reporter for NBC who worked with John Allen to actually interview John Fetterman in his home. This is one of the first uh, interviews he has done with anyone because he has a lot of problems expressing himself right now. And uh, it, should it rightfully be a problem? Of course, health is a, a, a completely legitimate concern. It's a legitimate concern about President Biden. Frankly, it's a legitimate concern about President Trump, who is planning to run again. But uh, about John Fetterman, well, judge for yourself. The uh, a reporter, Dasha Burns, who conducted the interview, says that Fetterman, during most of the time that they were talking in his home, was not cogent, that's her phrase, and uh, could seldom understand the questions. Uh, listen, this is clip seven. We had a monitor set up so that he could read my questions because he still has lingering auditory processing issues as a result of stroke, which means he has a hard time understanding what he's hearing. Now, once he reads the question, he's able to understand. You'll hear he also still has some uh, problems, some challenges with speech. And I'll say, Katie, that just in some of the small talk prior to uh, the interview before the closed captioning was up and running, it did it seemed that uh, he had a hard time understanding our our conversations. Okay, and here is what part of that conversation sounded like when she asked him very directly about his medical episode, clip eight. We've asked for your medical records. We've asked to have a conversation with someone from your medical team to interview your physician. You've declined those requests. Why? Well, I, I feel like we have been very transparent in a lot of different ways when our doctor has already given a letter saying that I'm able to serve and to, to be uh, running. I mean, respectfully, that letter from your physician, that was six months ago. Don't voters deserve to know your status now? Being on in front of thousands and thousands of, of people and having interviews and getting around all across Pennsylvania, that gives everybody and the voters decide, you know, if they think that it's it's really the issue. Okay, and uh, and then 
there is his problem with certain words in responding. Listen, this is clip 18. His campaign required that he be allowed to use a transcription program on his computer during our interview. I always thought I was pretty empathetic, uh, uh, emphatic. Uh, I think I was very, excuse me, empathetic. Uh, you know, that's an example of the stroke, empathetic. Yeah. I, I always thought I was very empathetic uh, before having a stroke. But now after having that stroke, I really understand, you know, much more kind of the challenges that Americans have. Okay, uh, there are all kinds of challenges for John Fetterman. The main challenge, however, and this goes to what the Republicans are finding is going to be probably the decisive issue in determining control of the Senate, determining the outcome in a lot of gubernatorial races, and yes, even with the House of Representatives, which is crime, the issue of crime. They are using all kinds of uh, new ads to emphasize the issue of crime and in fact Herschel Walker is using one such ad that actually implies criminal behavior on the part of his opponent the uh, Senator Raphael Warnock we will get to that and more coming up on the Medved show Michael Medved Show. So I just got one question for you. Are you fired up? Your outlet. Are you ready to go? For outrage. Fired up. This is the Michael Medved Show. Let's go change the world. Well, there will be a change in the world on November 8th because there will almost certainly be a change in the party that controls the uh, United States House of Representatives. And look, uh... I, I don't believe that Kevin McCarthy is uh, an ideal leader for the House of Representatives. But for goodness sake, uh, compared to Nancy Pelosi, uh, in terms of supporting conservative values, conservative solutions, in terms of basic competence, uh, I think Kevin McCarthy would be a tremendous improvement for the United States House of Representatives. Which is why I think it's a good thing that uh, Republicans all over the country seem to be winning in those House races. And what about the Senate races? Well, there's this item, a super PAC, a supporting foreign armor NFL running back, Herschel Walker, is airing a new ad which uh, is showing marital discord. Not involving Herschel Walker. No, not this time. Uh, new ad uh, showing police body cam footage of uh, Senator uh, Warnock and his ex-wife after an alleged uh, violent altercation. And the wife is complaining about, she says that Senator Warnock, who was not yet elected to the U.S. Senate, he was then Pastor Warnock, but still that uh, he tried to run over her foot. Uh, this was a <laughs> very unhappy marriage. It was kind of the ex 
equivalent of the six-day war. I mean, it was it, it lasted more than six days, the marriage, but not much. And uh, look, this is where we are right now because the uh, the Democrats and uh, in terms of their campaign, what they are trying to focus on is this idea that if the Republicans take over, there will be the sky will be falling. This was quoted by the New York Times when they spoke to a leading Democratic strategist who didn't want to be identified. And yes, they are trying to make it clear that if the Republicans take control, if particularly uh, Mitch McConnell is returned as majority leader of the U.S. Senate, Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House, if uh, that happens, then the sky is falling. It's, it's the end. And uh, we are in terrible shape. The problem is that people feel right now the sky is falling, that right now we're in terrible shape, and who's in charge? It's Democrats. It's a very difficult position for them to be in, and, and they focus increasingly, uh, almost entirely, on the issue of abortion. The, um, uh, in North Carolina's Senate Majority PAC, the uh, outside group that is aligned with uh, my majority leader, Chuck Schumer, launched a $4 million ad campaign against Representative Ted Budd, He's the Republican nominee for Senate. And uh, the ad in charge features a North Carolina doctor who looks into the camera and highlights how uh, Senator Budd, if he becomes Senator Budd, would criminalize abortion and put doctors in jail. The uh, In Pennsylvania... They uh, also have a super PAC, a Democratic super PAC, that has a new ad focused on abortion. The new spot highlights the stakes of the election and makes clear that electing Dr. Oz would give Republicans the power to ban abortion nationwide. Now, uh, again, that idea that Republicans would actually move forward and do that and that they'd be able to do it with a one or two vote uh, majority in the U.S. Senate. There are already enough Republicans who, who do not support a big new national ban. And the reason why is because there were a lot of Republicans, including this Republican, who celebrated at the time of the Dobbs decision because the Dobbs decision returned the question to the states where it ought to be. In other words, there is no need. You, you, the, the idea that we need to make sure that uh, Mississippi and Vermont have exactly the same abortion laws is ridiculous. And the one thing that they decided at the Supreme Court was not that abortion should be eliminated or restricted around the country. It was that the states and the legislatures and the voters of the states and the people who actually choose uh, have the ability to do that. And not every state needs to be the same. Uh, speaking about states needing to be the same, uh, there, there's also a, um, uh, a question about just how much uh, Herschel Walker will be able to move beyond some of the charges against him. And I think the biggest problem he has is not the fact that he is accused 
uh, credibly. He still denies it and denies it forcefully. He's accused of having paid for a girlfriend to have an abortion that would have been uh, 12 years ago. And uh, then 10 years ago, with the same young woman, he apparently conceived a baby and is paying child support on that child who is now 10 years old. And the difficulty about this is that when this initial charge of paying for an abortion came up, uh, at that point, Herschel Walker said he didn't even know the woman. The difficulty he has is expressing himself clearly, consistently, and honestly, because lies are not a good thing for any candidate. At an event in Georgia, uh, the uh, candidate, football star Herschel Walker, appeared together with some of his potential colleagues, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas and uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. And it sounded like this. Listen, clip four. As they've been saying, something is better somewhere else. And I'm here to tell you it's not. So I've been telling this little story about this bull out in the field with six cows. And three of them are pregnant. So you know he got something going on. But all he cared about is kept his nose against the fence, looking at three other cows that had been blown to him. Now all he had to do is eat grass. But no, 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 he thought something was better somewhere else. So he decided, I want to get over there. So one day he measured that fence up. And he said, I think I can jump this. So that day came where he got back. And he got back, and as he took off running, he dove over that fence, and his belly got cut up onto the bottom. But as he made it over on the other side, he shook it off and got so excited about it. And he ran to the top of that hill, but when he got up there, he realized they were bulls, too. Uh, I, I am not sure how <laughs> this moving story uh, works out or helps uh, the would-be U.S. Senator. Uh, meanwhile, some help for President Biden in confronting and deterring Vladimir Putin. Uh, there's a, a new uh, statement by a former NATO commander that we must be prepared for nuclear war. Uh, we'll get to that with Ilan Behrman coming up on The Medved Show. And there's a piece today in The Sun over in the United Kingdom. And it's a piece citing uh, General Sir Richard Sheriff, who was former Deputy Supreme Allied Commander in Europe for NATO. And uh, he says the world must be ready for nuclear war with Russia. Uh, and yet at the same time, you hear that uh, the war is going very, very badly for Putin that he is less popular than ever before at home. They have a mass mobilization that is going very poorly. To get some perspective on this and to the contradictory messages about growing dangers and growing encouragement from the front lines in uh, Ukraine, no one better to talk to than Ilan Berman, who is the senior vice president of the American Foreign Policy Council in Washington, D.C., 
and uh, an expert on regional security in the Middle East and the Russian Federation who has consulted with the Central Intelligence Agency as well as the Departments of States and Defense. Uh, first of all, uh, Ilan, what about the possibility for a nuclear war? Uh, do you believe this is just um, uh, Putin trying to scare the world? Or is it a reasonable fear? Well, certainly the hope is uh, that it is Putin trying to scare the world. But I, I think uh, the point uh, that you were making is exactly right, right? This is intimately linked to Russia's military fortunes in Ukraine. And uh, as you know, and, and as we've talked about before, those fortunes are on the downslope, uh, pretty dramatically so, right? By, by almost every conceivable metric. The Ukrainians are putting up a valiant fight. They're reclaiming territory. The Russian military is in uh, a shambles, and it's a shambles that's deepening because the recruitment drive, the partial mobilization that Putin announced at the end of September is really not going well. It's, it, it's not having the desired effect. And so Putin is not just not gaining ground. He's actually losing ground uh, pretty, at a pretty dramatic clip. Uh, and the reason this is problematic, it's not problematic for the Ukrainians. It, it certainly, one hopes, it drives us to a speedy conclusion to the war. But the problem is that Putin, as a result of his brinksmanship, as a result of his strategy, he sort of painted himself into a corner. He's losing so big that the chances of him escalating catastrophically through the use of tactical nuclear weapons has gone up dramatically. Now, this doesn't mean that he's definitely going to do it. I think anybody, if anybody tells you that they know that he's definitely going to do it, they're, they're uh, blowing smoke. But the reality is that Putin is failing so bigly, uh, if you were to use that word, uh, that it is likelier than it was just a couple of weeks ago, right? This, this possibility is much more on the table now than it was, uh, you know, just a few days uh, before when we talked. In your most recent piece, uh, you say Putin's war is deepening Russia's religious divide. And it's fascinating. It's partially about how the burden of this new uh, mobilization is falling disproportionately on that close to one-third of the Russian population that's Muslim. And that that is a real problem. You also have a number in, in your piece, Ilan, and, and I hadn't heard it before, that 750,000 people have already left Russia. They've uh, checked out um, going somewhere else because they're not eager to serve in the Russian army. Well, right, and that's exactly right. And that's a huge story because all of this is coming against the backdrop of a Russia that's experiencing pretty dramatic population decline. The Russian uh, Federation, right, the Soviet Union before it, um, has been in steady decline in terms of the size of its population since the 1960s. Um, and this is something that really didn't comport well with Soviet leadership, didn't comport well with Vladimir Putin. And in fact, if you look at the, the things that he's been doing domestically, every single year when he talks, he gives his State of the Nation address, uh, demographics and uh, rebuilding and strengthening the population is priority number one. It's not Crimea, it's not Ukraine, it's the population, because he understands that this is a fatal vulnerability. Um, and despite the fact that he's trying all these remedial measures, the population is still below replenishment, right? Russia is still losing people every year to death and emigration. And so the population is shrinking. And now the Ukraine war has accelerated this dramatically because uh, it's, uh, it's a Putin venture. It's not a Russian national venture, the, the war. 
and it is forcing people to vote with their feet. Uh, it's the uh, partial mobilization that Putin announced in late September has really scared a lot of Russians. It's really sort of brought home the fact that the war could touch them, could touch their families. And so Russians are now beginning to leave in droves. You have close to a million people that have left since late September. And they've gone to places like Kazakhstan and Finland and, and uh, destinations in Europe. But what this is doing, right, on an aggregate level is it is dramatically accelerating the weakness of Russia's population. Well, and, and uh, there's another matter here that uh, Walter Russell Mead, who uh, writes, I think, perceptively and forcefully about foreign policy issues, is worried about uh, deterrence, where our deterrence warning that there would be serious consequences uh, if Putin invaded Ukraine, well, obviously it didn't work. And what he's concerned about is the credibility of our deterrence regarding the use of tactical nuclear weapons against the Ukrainians. Uh, do you think that President Biden must do more to uh, make it clear what some of those consequences would be? Well, so th that's the operative word, deterrence, because it's very clear that what Putin is doing by blustering uh, about the fact that he might use tactical nuclear weapons is he's trying to deter the West. He's trying to deter the West from continuing to support Ukraine, right? The idea here being Russia uh, threatens uncontrolled escalation. Countries in Europe and the United States, uh, they are uh, increasingly put on the back foot and they're going to ratchet back their support for Ukraine. And therefore, then Putin can eke out some sort of strategic victory, despite the fact that the war is not going well for him. Right? That's the calculus. That's why military strategists um, from across the uh, sort of uh, the political aisle are warning the Biden administration that, first of all, it's I don't think it does any good to hype up the idea that there's going to be a nuclear Armageddon, because I still think that, you know, on balance, this is a possibility, but it's not a probability. But at the same time, this should reinforce our commitment to Ukraine, because the point here is Vladimir Putin is emboldened if he thinks that as a result of these threats, we're going to back down, we're going to back away, and then he can win. Uh, so this is really a time for choosing on the part of the Biden administration, and hopefully the president chooses the right course. Well, one of the points that uh, Walter Russell Mead makes, which I think is a powerful point, is that in the run-up to the war in Ukraine, the one thing that President uh, Biden uh, said very clearly and repeatedly is no American troops will be involved, there'll be no American troops. There were pledges of what we wouldn't do, not warnings about what we would do. Can that be clarified without being uh, basically viewed as saber-rattling? Uh, well, I, I think it certainly can be. And, you know, to their credit, folks in the White House have been trying to do that, at least quietly, to the Kremlin. There have been all sorts of reports uh, that have leaked out into the press that um, people like Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, have had uh, uh, phone consultations with uh, Russian officials, uh, warning them of catastrophic consequences uh, if there is the employment of nuclear use. And that's an important message, not so much because Vladimir Putin needs to hear it, because Vladimir Putin is, I think, locked into this path of escalation. It's the fact that there are people around Vladimir Putin who are, have a different calculation, a different calculation of their own political position, but also of what's good for the country, not necessarily for the guy who's in charge currently. If those guys are deterred, 
right? And this is our moment to establish our deterrence. If those guys get clear warnings of what will happen if they allow Putin free reign, the likelihood goes up that they won't allow him to have free reign. Let us only hope. Uh, the most recent piece by Ilan Berman about Putin's war is deepening Russia's religious divide between uh, the Eastern Orthodox and the Muslims who are disproportionately impacted. It's a profoundly important piece. It's posted on our website at michaelmedved.com. The latest comments by the President of the United States about Russia coming up on The Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, you probably have lost count, but uh, there is a, a verdict that is just in the process of being handed down right now in the, the latest Alex Jones uh, defamation. Uh, and, and basically, uh, the, the charges against him have to do with ruining people's lives. Uh, even beyond the pain that they suffered when their children were killed. Why well, did he ruin people's lives? By blaming them for committing a, a great fraud, by suggesting publicly again and again and again and again over the course of years that the uh, shooting, the mass shooting uh, in uh, Connecticut uh, at Newtown was a fraud uh, in any event he is paying compensatory damages he is paying pain and suffering damages uh and the the totals just here <laughs> i'm sorry i've never seen anything like this alex jones this is uh breaking in the new york times and they were just announcing it in the courtroom in waterbury connecticut uh, the jury met and uh they ordered Mr. Jones to pay the Sandy Hook victims' families over $700 million. Now, he's made a lot of money over the years selling his conspiracy theories and products like Instahard. Uh, no, that's really, that's one of his major money makers. And, uh, but $700 million. I think um, I think this sends a message. The uh, $700 million a jury in Connecticut awarded damages to the families of eight victims killed in the 2012 shooting and an FBI agent who responded to the scene. Uh, Jones had already been found liable for defamation after he spent years falsely describing the shooting. The first plaintiff, Robbie Parker, is awarded a total of a hundred and twenty million dollars and there are fourteen more plaintiffs um, this uh... this this is <laughs> I probably going to be appealed uh... almost undoubtedly but the uh... the the need for for alex jones if he is going to continue operating under any capacity at all is going to be to reach some kind of agreement and uh, that agreement is is going to be uh, sending a very very clear message that you you are responsible if there are horrible consequences to other people 
from your knowingly, uh, with reckless disregard for the truth, uh, you are knowingly sending out false information, uh, particularly if it's a life and death situation as this was. Speaking of life and death situations, eight people have been detained, this is according to CNN, uh, over the blast this last Saturday that damaged the only bridge connecting annexed Crimea with Russia, uh, marking a critical juncture in Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. Russia's Federal Security Service, the FSB, claimed that, that, that the main intelligence department of the Ukraine's Ministry of Defense, its head, uh, Karilio uh, Budanov, and its employees and agents organized the terrorist attack on the Kerch Strait Road and Rail Bridge. Russian state media, RIA Novosti, reported today. Now, whether they have actually... Again, unless those people were living under Russian control, which it would be hard to imagine they would, uh, the detaining of those individuals might have been difficult or difficult to understand. But we will we will get to that as the story becomes more clear. Uh, speaking of story becoming clear, Jake Tapper did uh, an interview with President Biden for CNN, and he raised the possibility of Vladimir Putin blowing up the world by using tactical nuclear weapons. And Biden responded, listen. What is the red line for the United States and NATO, and have you directed the Pentagon and other agencies to game out what a response would be if he did use a tactical nuclear weapon or if he bombed the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Ukraine or anything along those lines? There's been discussions on that, but I'm not going to get into that. It would be irresponsible for me to talk about what we would or wouldn't do. Have you asked the Pentagon to, to game it out, though? I mean, just in case? The, the Pentagon didn't have to be asked. Okay, it's a reasonable answer. Uh, then uh, Tapper goes on to ask Biden about uh, a, another kind of explosive disaster. This one uh, not an involving war, but involving the economy. Uh, this is uh, Tapper asking Biden about recession. 9.5. Should the American people prepare for a recession? No. Look, they've been saying this now how uh, every every six months they say this. Every six months they look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet. It hadn't. Be, there, there has. There is no. There's no guarantee that there's going to be. I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. That is, we'll move down slightly. Uh, does that uh, reassure people in the United States? Will it help the? fellow Democrats that uh, Mr. Biden wants so ardently to assist. That is unclear uh, as well. Um, also, is it's unclear when you're talking about the future with Russia. Uh, Tapper asked Biden a very good question. Does he consider Vladimir Putin a rational actor? Clip 13. Do you think Putin is a rational actor? I think he is a rational actor who's miscalculated significantly. 
I think he thought, uh, you, you may recall, I pointed out that they were going to invade, that all oh, those 100,000 or more troops there, and no one believed that he was going to invade Ukraine. You listen to what he says. If you listen to the speech he made after when that decision was being made, he talked about uh, the whole idea of he was needed to be the leader of Russia that united all the Russian speakers. I mean, it's just, I, I just think it's irrational. So if, if he's not rational and... No, he, I didn't say he's not rational. You said the speech is what I think rational. I think the speech, is, okay. his objectives were not I think he thought, Jake, I think he thought he's going to be welcome with open arms. That this was, this has been the, the home of Mother Russia and Kiev and, and therefore he was going to be welcomed. And I, I think he just totally miscalculated and uh, then an, another question about uh, the, the level of Putin's miscalculation. This is clip 16. How realistic is it, do you think, that Putin would use a tactical nuclear weapon? Well, I, I don't think he will, but I think he, it's irresponsible for him to talk about it. The idea that a world leader of a, one of the largest nuclear powers in the world says he may use a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine and the whole point I was making was it could lead to just a horrible outcome. And uh, not because anybody intends to turn it into a world war or anything, but it just once you use a nuclear weapon, the mistakes that can be made, the miscalculations, who knows what would happen. And uh, then he had a tough time, uh, the president of the United States, answering a question about uh, energy and uh, climate change and costs uh, listen we passed the look what I ran on I said we're gonna deal with energy right and and the energy problem we're gonna deal with the whole notion of global warming we passed 368 billion dollars worth of help which as the same bankers talk about is gonna bring a billion a trillion seven hundred million dollar billion dollars off the sidelines investment we passed the look what I ran on I said we're gonna deal with energy uh, and uh, maybe a little bit of confusion there. Uh, speaking about confusion, uh, the world has been confused for a long time, expecting that as human population grows, shortages would grow and people would have less and less ability to build or spread posterity. There's now a massive new book. I mean, it is full of provocation. It's full of documentation about human flourishing on an infinitely bountiful planet. You want to feel a little bit better about the future for your children and grandchildren? Uh, we will be joined by Marion Tupi. Uh, he is the senior fellow at the Cato Institute and co-author of the new book it is called super abundance and a super abundance of provocation needed for this greatest nation on god's green earth